So this morning, we are uh, headed into chapter 3 of James, and um, you know, I just want to recap a little bit, maybe you've missed some of this series, we've been working through the book of James and talking about what is the wisdom that God offers us, where is these places that James says, go ask for God for wisdom and help in these areas. Chapter 1 of James, um, James is mostly focused on just reminding us that when life hands you trouble, you need to figure out how you're going to respond, and how you respond is important. And how you invite God into that response is vital. And so he coaches us through that. And then in chapter 2, James begins to tackle the authentic faith life of a follower of Jesus. What does it look like? What's it look like to not just say, I believe, but to actually act that out? To actually, in times where it just feels like, well, I don't know what the right thing to do is, or I just, I don't want to obey. James says, those are the times you most need to obey. Those are the times you most need to trust God. Because if you don't, he actually says this, he says, if you don't, and you just kind of know that God exists, you know what he says, but you're not doing what he says, he says, then you're no better than a demon. Like the demons know that God exists, but they're not doing what he says. He says, don't be like that. Get the benefit of your faith. And then in chapter three, he enters into something that through a lot of, a lot of visual images, he stresses is one of the most important life-changing subjects that we can deal with as people who want to live in the world and want to experience the kind of life that God has for us. So, we're going to talk about that this morning, but let me, let me start with um, having you fill in a phrase that I think every one of you will know, it doesn't matter how old you are, I'm pretty sure that you have heard this at some point from your parents or for someone in your life, okay? So you, you fill in the blank here. Sticks and stones may break your bones, but... Right, words will never hurt you. Now, I heard that when I was a kid, right? And, and why, do we, why do we say, parents, why do we say this to our children? Because we want them to feel better. I mean, it, it's not true, but we want them to feel better. And so we say this thing that is absolutely not true. Wouldn't it be great if words didn't really hurt us? Wouldn't it be great that people said stuff and it really didn't bother us? You know, like, water off a duck's back doesn't bother me. I mean, I've heard people say, oh, that doesn't, uh, nothing really affects me. And I'm like... It does. Like, words affect us, and they affect us deeply, and that's, that's the reality. And some of you are, some of you are adults. Your ch- childhood was a long time ago, and yet you still live with words that impacted you. You could describe the moment you heard certain words, and you would be tearful. Like, you would, you've heard words like, you're dumb. You'll never change. You'll never amount to anything. And you remember them. They still haunt you to this day because words do hurt. Words do affect us. And some of you remember other moments in your life too, right? Words that were a blessing to you. Words that spoke to you. That Someone said, listen, I love you. Someone spoke into your life. They said, you're good at this. I still remember at about 40-some years old, I got this email from my father. And it was in all caps because that's the way my dad typed in emails, right? Because he was 70-something, and so he just, he typed like he was mad at you all. I'm like, Dad, that means you're mad. He's like, what are you talking about? Just all caps. So it's an emphasis. But this is the words that he, he typed to me in an email. He just, four little words. Son, I'm proud of you. sat at my computer, and I wept. 
This is the first time I ever heard him speak those words to me. And I was like, I, I had no idea just how deeply they would impact when they came. Because words matter. Because words are important in our lives. And this is why James stresses how important it is to be careful with our words. And this is one of the things, as people who might, if you say, I want to follow Jesus, I want to live like Jesus, in the culture that we live in, this is one of the ways that you will stand out because we live in a time when people don't use words carefully. Right? People live in constant regrets and a fear of their words on social media, and once they're out there, you can't get them back, right? People are always having to apologize for it. People, people say things that are culture, right? Have you ever heard say, someone say, just saying? Like, they say something that is insulting to you, and then they say, just saying, as if the words have no consequences because they said just saying on the end of it. You've probably done that yourself, right? Just saying, you know? And so we put things out on Facebook. I'm always surprised I see people who who put things on Facebook or tweeted or they put it on them. And I'm like, like, I had no idea those things would come out of your mouth. Like, I had no idea you were that angry. I had no idea that you had that kind of potty mouth. Like, because, it, like, I just put it out there and it's like, oh, well, those, those are just words, though. They're just on social media. They have, they have consequences. And we can't act like they don't because our words do damage and we all know. Now, here's the thing. This is not a new thing. Like, the fact that we have trouble controlling our words, the fact that our words have impact and sometimes we're not aware of it, not new at all. It's not a new problem. It's not just because we have that internet thing. It's not any of that. It's because of our human condition. It's because of who we are as people and our separation from God. And so, so here's the thing. James is talking to people, some thousands of years ago. But the wisdom that he offers is going to be like so much right in your space today. It's going to be invasive to your space today because it is so true and so relevant. And so here's the words that he offers. If you want to follow along this morning, you can open up your Bible, your Bible app to James chapter 3. Um, you can open up your inside the scoop. There's an outline. And you can follow along. You'll find the scripture in there as well if you want to follow along. But here's how James opens up. He says, he says dear brothers and sisters, he's talking to fellow followers of Jesus. He says, not many of you should become teachers of the church. Why? Because those who are teach are judged more strictly, right? Because nobody wants to hear from a hypocrite. Or at least no one wants to hear from a hypocrite who doesn't admit that they're a hypocrite, right? Which is why I try to admit to you when I'm a hypocrite so that you know you don't just have to judge me. It's just, you know, but he says, don't be careful with your words. Why? Why is this all important? He says, he leads into this because he said, listen, you might want to use a lot of your words. A lot of you might want to teach and just say a lot of things. But he says, I want to warn you about something. And here it is. He said, listen, we all make mistakes. None of us are perfect. And here's what it comes down to. And here's why I'm talking about teaching. Here's why I'm talking about your mouth. Is if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. He says, he actually says, listen, there's all kind of messes in your life. But if you want to have your life be more like Jesus, then work on your tongue, work on your mouth, work on your words. Because that's what's going to lead you in those directions. Now, I, th I think about this a lot because, you know, I, I grew up in a family who believed in speaking your mind. 
Um, that was what was modeled for me, and it didn't matter what was on your mind, you just go ahead and spoke it, and it was everybody else's problem if they didn't like it. Okay, so you can imagine when I got out of my family of origin, this seemed odd to others, right? That I would just say whatever I was thinking, even if it was hurtful to them. And I had to really work on this. My first job, it took me years to figure out what my bosses were telling me in my reviews about like, hey, you, you need to figure this out because at that point I was trying to follow Jesus and what I had was a string of regrets, right? Like I would say stuff, I would regret saying stuff, I would go apologize for it. They were like, listen, Andrews, either say it and just be okay with it or stop saying it. But don't live in this space in between. But what I was trying to do is follow Jesus. And it, there was this stuff in me and I, words just poured right out of me. And when it comes to our words, there's this great wisdom that James offers to be careful with them. Now, I like to do a lot of reading, and C.S. Lewis, I remember reading him once, and he said, don't ever read a new book without reading an old book. And so I, I started to read older books, older literature, and so I read a lot of things from spiritual fathers from like the third and fourth century, and one of the things that I noticed from the folks who wrote in that time period, and probably because of this history of my own, I noticed it, is they talk a lot about our tongues, about the silence is golden, about controlling what we say. And I think every time I read it, I'm like, do these guys only have one book that they're reading out of? Is this James? Like, because like, this is, it just keeps coming back around to that. Like, and the reason I think that they say this all the time is because what James is saying, and we're going to see that in a minute when he talks about the ship and the rudder and the horse directing the horse, like, your words lead you in the direction of your life. And what James is really talking about here is the great wisdom that he offers you. Like, listen, there's a lot of imperfection in your life. You're going to say things that you regret. You know, I've heard stories of people saying things innocently without not much thought, like asking someone that they were pre if they were pregnant, and they weren't, right? That's something you only do once, right? After that, you're like, never doing that again. But we, we all do these things, and here's what James is really getting down to. He's like, listen, the best measure of what's going on on the inside, in your heart, is your words. Your words reveal what's happening in here. So if you want to listen to your words, you'll find that out. And we, we all know this. We all do it. I mean, if, you, if you've ever been a teenager, how many of you have been a teenager? Yeah? Okay, just, just check and see if you're awake. So if you've been a teenager, you know that what you say and how you say it are tied, right? Like, when you're a teenager, you can say something and be right, but how you say it still got you in trouble. Like, that was my main problem growing up. I said things, I had a lot, I'm pretty good at being sarcastic. And so I could say things, and how I said it got me in trouble, right? Because what we say is important, but how we say it is important, who we say it to, when we say it, all important. And that's still how the weight of our words and how they direct our lives, that's why it's so important. And the point that James is trying to make is don't be careless with your words. Carefully placed words matter. And carelessly placed words, words that reveal that you're angry or sad or frustrated or jealous, those words matter too. And they'll just flow right out. I mean, parents, you know, when your kids push your buttons in some way or there's this tense time in your house, how vital it is in that moment. And you're like, like there's a thousand things spinning through your head of like, what am I going to say in this moment? Because you've said things that you wish you hadn't said. 
And so you're going, what am I going to say in this moment to help my child in their moment of crisis? And you know the words are important. And spouses, right? You've been there when you said something, and the moment it left your lips, you just wanted to go and bury your head in the sand and be like, man, I wish that wouldn't have happened. wish I could get that back. Friends, like you've got friends, like you know how important it is to have affirmation with your friends. Like it's not just like, hey, we just go hang out, but you know what it will do to their friendship if you have moments that really affirm each other, that speak into each other's lives. That's when a friendship goes from a place of like, we just are acquaintances that hang out to a real friendship. I think about our mission trips that we do here at Daybreak, where we take time after long days of ministry to sit down and we have this, we call it the bead ceremony. There's these all these color beads, and people go and take a bead, and they go give it to someone else. But it's not about the act of giving them a bead. It's about the words that they speak over you in that moment. And in those things, you, everyone who's ever been on a daybreak trip will tell you those are the most meaningful moments on the trip. There are tears. There's joy. There's laughter. There are things that are said in those moments that you just treasure them in your heart because words have so much value. And here's... If we were to sum up what, Jesus, what, Paul, or what James is saying here, he's saying, listen, you want to be more like Jesus, watch your words. Because the real measure of how much we love God and how much we love others, how we're really doing in that area, it's found in our words. You want to know how well you're loving God? Listen to the words that come out of your mouth. You want to know how well you're doing and loving others? Listen to the conversations and the words that you use in those conversations, it'll tell you a lot about what's happening in your heart. And this is, remember, James' point here throughout this whole book is not just do wise things, but rather ask God to give you wisdom. Ask for God's help in this. And this is what he's really saying throughout this is what I want you to hear. He's saying, use your words well, be careful with them, not careless with them, but if you really want to be transformed, you've got to ask for God's help. And here's what I want to tell you from my own experience. If you'll ask God to work on your words, to make them more loving, you'll be surprised that what will happen is not a more loving words, but a more loving heart. Because that's where God will go. That's where it needs the work needs to be done. And God will transform you. Our words have a big impact on others. And so we're going to talk this morning about what James points us to, and that's careful words bring blessing and careless words bring destruction. They can deliver destruction to people. So here's, here's James's next passage. He goes into verse 3 of James 3. And he talks about three things. He talks about a horse and how, how just a bit in a horse's mouth controls where it's going to go. He talks about a rudder of a ship and how you can have driving winds on a sailboat. And if you've ever sailed before, you know that winds will drive you in the direction, but it's the rudder that controls the direction of your ship. And then he says that your tongue is like a fire as well. And I, I want to read this part to you because this is, this is like, okay, I want you to take this seriously. So here, here it is. Here's what James says. He says, listen, in the same way, a tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark from those speeches, a tiny spark, just a couple words, can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is the flame of fire. It is, get this, listen to this, it is a whole world of wickedness. 
Jason says, listen, I've been around long enough. I have lived long enough to know that inside the tongue, the mouth, the words that you use, the whole world of wickedness, it is dangerous and you got to be careful with it because your words matter. And he says, and this, this is where he gets released. He says, listen, it can set your whole life on fire. You ever had words that set your whole life on fire? Words that came out of your mouth, damaged such relationships, damaged reputation, just life went off the tracks because of some words, because of the way you talk, because of where you're leaning. That's what he's saying. It's going to lead you in those directions. He says, it is dangerous. And this is what he says, set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. And essentially, here's what I believe he's saying. When your words are careless and they're damaging, you are aligning yourself with hell itself. Just take that in from When your words are careless and they deliver destruction, you align yourself with hell. That's what he's saying. So listen, careless words deliver destruction. Be careful with your words. They have destructive power. You know, my dad was a kid. He used to tell the story of when he was a kid and... Um, he got a new lighter, and he was really excited about this new lighter that he got. And so he went into the garage where they lived, and he grabbed a piece of wood, and he grabbed a can of gas. Uh, I think it was more like, more like a bucket of gas that he had filled up. And he carried it out of the, gla- out of the garage, and you know, slosh, 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 all the way out of the garage. And he decided that it would be a good idea to pour gasoline onto this piece of wood and light it on fire. Now, how many of you just admit that you thought that was a good idea at one point in your life too? Anybody else? Okay, yeah. I, this is the part I was going to tell you about. Almost it's always all guys who do this part. Like, yeah, I did that stupid thing where I lit gas. Yeah, I thought, what a good idea. Gasoline's explosive. Let me try to explode it. So this is what he did, right? He lit this thing on fire. What he didn't realize is this tiny piece of wood that he had gotten to light on fire. He had put it down, and guess where the trail of gasoline led back to? And so he watched as this trail of fire went right back to the garage, into the garage where the gasoline was, and caught the garage on fire. And he's running, he, and the, as the story goes, my grandparents used to tell it that there were dead fish everywhere because he went to the nearest place of water, which was their goldfish pond, and he began to bail with the goldfish pond onto the garage, and so it was like Fried Fish Friday. And so there was like, you know, he's like, they were like, it was a terrible mess, right? And my poor dad, my dad used to say, he had, my dad had story after story after story of things that he had done that were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did that. He's like, listen, I never did anything that someone told me not to do. They just weren't specific about, about all the things I shouldn't do. And so he did them. So, but my point being, here it is, it's just a small thing that you say. How many of you have been guilty of this? A small word misplaced, wrong time, a careless word that caught something on fire. I mean, I, I remember, you know, my first 10 years of marriage, dropping some words on my wife in a moment of intense conversation. And I saw it in her eyes the moment I said them. Just lit my marriage on fire. And I apologized almost immediately. But you know when you do those things, you can't, you can't just undo the damage. The damage that I had done was going to take years to undo. For her to heart to heal. Like this is, 
This is the importance of our words. This is why it's so important for us not to be careless, because the real measure of how we love God, and that's what I felt in that moment, was I realized in that moment, God, I don't love you or her very well right now. I mean, I'm stinking it up. I'm setting this stuff on fire. There's no good. Careless words destroy relationships. I love this illustration that, that James used about a horse, because I, I grew up riding horses. Grew up on the farm riding horses. Went to my grandparents for a week, and we would ride horse. Had this, he had, my grandfather had a horse named Judy, and uh, she was about 16 or 17 hands tall. That's what that means. So she's a big horse. And I'm, I'm like this 9 or 10-year-old, 45-pound, soaking wet kid. And I would climb up, grab the saddle and climb up, swing my leg over onto this 1,500-pound animal. This is a little boy on this 1,500-pound animal. And she would go wherever I wanted. Now, it wasn't because I asked nicely. It was because I grabbed the reins like my grandfather taught me, like the horse was trained. And when you pull on those reins and the bit is in her mouth, her head turns and she knows that's the way we want to go. All right, let's go for a ride. And this is James' point. This is his point of hope for you. Listen, careless words can deliver destruction, but his point is you have control. It's right here with your words. If you'll focus on it, it can set the direction of your life. And it is just a small bit that directs the life. It's just like a small rudder that directs the ship. And if you're just careless with your words, they're going to lead you all over the place. Now, you all know this, right? You all know that when you speak words of blessing in other people's lives, when you, with your family, have words like, I love you, you're good at, I'm proud of you, it bonds you together. When you, when you speak those words to people's lives, it can deepen a friendship. And on the same token, and we can call it venting or whatever we want, when we gossip, when we say things about others to us, some that they're not in the room, it destroys wishes. We might not even mean it that way. We just call, I just had to vent. But do you know what's happening for the other person you're venting to? They're going, if you'll say that about them to me, you're probably going to say stuff about me to someone else. And so here's where your words led you, to distrust, to mistrust in your relationships. Instead of building relationships, it's destroyed. And that's James' point. Just, our, our mouth is the smallest organ. Our tongue is the smallest organ of our body. But it sets the direction of our life. And if we can ask God to help us control it, it will change the direction of our life. And so James goes on in verse 7 through 10. He begins to talk more about this. And this is what he actually says. He says, you know, people tame all kinds of animals. But he said, the tongue, it's really hard to tame. And he goes on to say that it is full of deadly poison. Verse 8, he says, it's full of deadly poison. Now, I hear that, I'm like, I'm reading it, and I'm like, James, come on, you're being a little dramatic now, right? Like, it's a little overkill to what you're saying. But, so I looked up the Greek words, and I looked up what he's actually saying. He's actually referring, he's using the same words as a venomous snake. Like, not just like a toxin, like, like, Venomous, as, venomous snake as if it was meant to be vindictive. Says, in other words, if you're living in a constant state of anger, if you're living in places where there are bitterness, your words will be full of toxin, and they will destroy others. 
matters. You say, this, this, is, this is what's on your tongue. It's what's on your tongue that's in your heart. This is what, what Jesus says too. He says, listen, this is what, this is what your life is like. It's, it's almost impossible to control it, but Jesus says this is the condition of your heart. He goes on in verse 9 and 10. He says, listen, sometimes one minute you're praising God. You're like, oh, this is a great worship song. Oh, God, I'm so thankful for something. And the next, you're cursing the people that God made. In his image, one of his children. James says, listen, this is the dichotomy that you live in. And what it really tells you is not what's in your mouth. What it really tells you is what's in your heart. Now, Jesus said this well in Luke 6.45, I believe it was. He says, listen, out of the treasury of a good heart comes good things. And out of the treasury of an evil heart comes evil things. In other words, something that you know already. Your words only reveal what's already in your heart. There are things in your heart that you, you don't want to admit are there. There are things you're angry about, that you're frustrated with, that you're bitter about, and do you know when you discover them? Right here. See, your words are meant not for condemnation. When, when, when Jesus talks about the treasury of the good heart and the evil heart, he's not, he's not speaking words of condemnation. He's speaking words of evaluation. Your words are a place to evaluate what's actually going on in my heart. When I hear my words and I listen to them, is it coming from a place of good or a place of evil? What's actually happening for me in this moment? And what kind of words do I want to speak that tells you a lot about where your heart actually is? Because the real measure of how we love God and how we love others is found in our words. Our words have the power to bring great influence and blessing onto others' lives. But careless words can bring destruction. So I want to turn the corner now and talk a little bit about the words that can bring blessing. Because this is where James leaves us. He says, listen, I, want, I set up this contrast so you can understand that careful words can bring great blessing to others' lives. And so here's what he says in verse, verse 11 and 12. He says, does a spring water, does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? He asks this question, like, have you ever been to a spring of water that bubbles out both? Have you ever had a gulp of, like, salt water? Like, I just went to the beach. Some of you maybe are, got beach plans. In that moment when you're in the ocean, or maybe you're like my wife. She doesn't like to get in the ocean because there's fish in the ocean. I, I, she doesn't, like, so it's like she goes in about this deep, and that's about as far as she goes, right? I love to go out into the ocean. I love when the waves are breaking over me, and so my sons and I will go out there and we'll, We'll be like jumping those waves. And so that moment where you're facing the wrong direction towards the beach and the waves are coming and someone says there's a wave, like you just turn around, your mouth's open and you're back like this and the wave just breaks right into your mouth. Have you ever had this happen? And you swallow that salt water and the, the first thing you think is, how in the world do fish put up with this? This tastes terrible. Like this is what they, this is gross, right? It's down your mouth, you swallow and you're like, oh, now, if you, you know what that's like, can you imagine if you went to the faucet in your house and it was like a guessing game? I never know when I'm going to get out. Sometimes I open it up and it's fresh water. Sometimes I open it up and it's salt water. And you just take a big gulp on a thirsty day. Like, that would be pretty disappointing. 
And what James is saying is this, like, listen, if you have Jesus in your life, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have Jesus in your life, when people come to you, they have an expectation, they should, that you're going to bring blessing, that your words are fresh water. But if sometimes your words are fresh water and sometimes they're salty, people start coming because they don't know what to expect. He says, that's not the way it's supposed to be. In fact, James goes on to say, and this is comparisons, he says, listen, does a fig tree produce olives? Well, no, of course not. It's a fig tree. Why would it produce olives? That would, be, that would just be dumb. That, that would never happen. Does a grapevine produce figs? No, of course not. Does a, does a freshwater spring produce salty water? No. And this is his point. If you follow Jesus and you surrender your life to Christ and you have him enter into your life and, and Jesus comes in to bring, to be the spring of life in, in your life, then it is unnatural for anything else but blessing to come out of your mouth. And you should feel that conviction. You should feel that, man, I want to work on that like I did when I was, when I was just starting to follow Jesus. And I was like, this isn't right. There's something not right here. If my words are bringing condemnation to others instead of blessing, there's something wrong in my heart. God, come and change that. And that's the invitation that James is offering us today. Say, listen, as a follower of Jesus, you should have something in you bubbling up. You should tap into that. Now, Jesus called us. He, Jesus once met with a woman um, in John 4, and she was far from God, and she felt condemned by others, and she met him at this well. And while he was at the well, Jesus looks at her, and he says, listen, he said, you came to get this water to drink, but I want to tell you that I want to give you water that you will never thirst again. If you come and drink of this water... It will be like a spring of life that will bubble up and overflow out of your life. And she says, I want that. I need that in my life. And of course, he was referring to himself. So let me tell you a little bit more about my beach trip. Spent a week at the beach, and um, a big part of my heart while I was at the beach was just to slow down, to let my heart catch up. This year has been a a long year here at Daybreak. We've had some transition stuff. I've been working multiple roles, lots of busy stuff in my life, and I've been running hard. And I realized going into vacation that the truth was that while the source of the well was there, I wasn't tapped into it. So I go on vacation. I'm like, God, I just feel empty. I feel like dried up on the inside. My heart is like way back here. And by the end of the week, my heart had begun to catch up. Um, my wife and her kind of spoke some words for, over me on the beach, and of course I had my sunglasses on, it's tears coming down my cheeks, but of course you're a guy, you're like just keeping the sunglasses on, not freaking anybody out on the beach that you know you're, because God began to remind me of this. I am the source of life, Sean. You can't tap into your work, you can't tap into your competence, you can't tap into your serving, you can't tap into all the good deeds you're doing, and most of the stuff that I was doing was good things. So you, that will never give you life. That will never overflow out of your life. And the reason that you're struggling right now is what you need to tap into is me. I am the source of life. I am the well that flows up inside you. That is what will change your life. That's what will change your words. 
That is what will transform you. There's a story that um, I read in a book called Life of Beloveds by Henry Nouwen. And uh, Henry Nouwen is a Catholic priest. He worked at a community called the Arch Debre Community. And it was, a, it was a home for people who were severely and extremely physically and emotionally disabled. And so they often had unfiltered responses. And he writes about some of these. He t- says at one point, he said he, went, he was on his way to speak at the chapel. And a woman named Janet came to him and said, I need a blessing. I need a blessing. And so as a Catholic priest, he, he did the sign of the cross on her forehead. And she said, no, it's not what I mean. I, I need more than that. I need a blessing. And so he went to speak. And when he was done, he said, listen, Janet has asked for a blessing. So we're going to gather up. And about 30 people gathered around them. And he said, Janet asked for a blessing. I don't, I don't know exactly what shape or form this should take. I don't know exactly what to say. And with that, Janet runs from the sideline up to him and buries her head in his chest and wraps her arms around him and begins to squeeze him. And so he just wraps his arms around her. And this is what he says. He says, Janet, God loves you with a fierce love. You are precious to God. You are God's beloved child. Never forget how much he loves you. And as he finished, he says, everyone around the circle began to raise their hand. I want a blessing too. I want a blessing too. I want a blessing too. Now let me ask you, can you imagine in your life, if you were to bring the words of life of Jesus into your workplace, into your family, in your friendships, People lining up and saying, I want a blessing. They are coming to you because they're looking for words of blessing. And Jesus has those words. He says, I want, I want that to spring up and well out of you because it will change the world. You want to have a great impact on the world? You want to change the world? Then change your words. Have a picture of what people could get when they get that from you. There are a lot of words of condemnation in this world. In fact, one of the greatest spiritual barriers in our life is our own words of condemnation, our own words of self-rejection. I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. See, I'm not really loved. We say those things to ourselves. If we don't, not allowed, we say it in our hearts. Other people, we hear it and we think it proves it. And the, worth, the reason that this is the greatest spiritual bar- barrier is because it It contradicts the sacred words of the God who loves you deeply, who says, you are my beloved. Come and be adopted into my family and know that you are loved so that you can love others. Let's pray for a moment. God, start today by just confessing our need of you. Confessing that our words, our words are not always loving. Even this week, every one of us here have said words that were unintentional, careless. Those words may have done damage we don't even know of. But God, we're grateful that you know that we're not perfect. So, God, would you forgive us 
for every careless word that has left our mouth. Will you give us a new day and a new start? Jesus, will you come and fill our hearts? This is the best news, Jesus, that you will come and fill our hearts. That if we surrender our lives to you, you will fill our life with your spirit. That you'll transform our heart so that the words that come out will just be an overflow, a heart that is grateful, a heart that is in love with you, God. Jesus, we live in a world that needs words of affirmation, that needs words of blessing. Help us to be that for others. Lord Jesus, this morning we pray this prayer. Take my words. Jesus, take my words. Take my heart. Take my life. Make it a blessing. Make it a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. So listen, this morning, here's what 